Good morning, church family. We are so glad that you are joining us in the room or online today. Our prayer is that God's Spirit will touch you and minister to you in a very special way. Now listen, I'm not there with you today. I'm actually in Israel with Pastor Aaron and Pastor Josiah. So we're praying for you. I hope you're praying for us and we'll be back as soon as we can. I want to let you know a few things before we get into today's message. Is Coming up soon is our marriage conference, February 10th and 11th. Pastors Kevin and Melissa Golf is going to be here, and I want to encourage you. They're the founders of Rock Church in Phoenix, Arizona. So you can register online, or you can just go to the guest services after service today. I promise you they have a story like you've never heard. So they're going to be with us, and I'm really, really excited about it. Now, we've been in a series called The Pattern of Prayer, and in a few moments, you're going to hear from our campus life pastor, Pastor Tommy Havard, a good old southern Mississippi boy coming up to the stage, and I know he's going to do an awesome job. But before he comes, just want to recap a little bit of where we've been, and he's going to take over at the end of, of this video. But let you know something, the first thing we talked about in week number one is simply this, God wants us to pray. Really simple, but I think we need to be reminded God wants us to pray. Well, how do we do that? Uh, Number one, plan a time to pray. Number two, plan a place to pray. And number three, plan a pattern to pray. Now, for some of you that may be new language you've not heard before, what that simply means is this. We're going to plan an outline to follow when we pray. Because if you're like me, it's really easy to be distracted when we're just trying to spend time with God. So this pattern will help us. Well, where do we get the pattern? There are many in the Bible. Some use the Lord's Prayer. Others use the prayer of Jabez. There's several different ones you can use. But we're going to use what some call the prayer of Moses or the tabernacle prayer. The tabernacle prayer comes from the... uh, Book of Exodus chapter 25 is the story when the children of Israel have left Egypt. God is trying to get them to the promised land and he speaks to their leader named Moses and says, I want to be with my people. And he tells them to build a tabernacle built to certain specifications that God himself designed and gave Moses to build. So as you can see on the screen behind me, there are some, uh, here's the image, the idea kind of of what we're talking about. And there are different things in this that we'll use as an outline. So some call it furniture, some call it area, some call it points, some call it stations. Whatever you want to call it, it's really, really simple. As you can see, every single piece of the tabernacle on the screen is an outline that we can follow. So week number one, we talked about the tabernacle gate. This, the Bible teaches us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. So when you begin to pray, you can just start by saying thank you. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for my kids. I thank you for my church. I thank you for my family. I thank you for my health. I don't know a whole lot about you, but one thing I know about you, you got a lot to be thankful for. Amen, everybody. Number two, you see the brazen altar. This is where they would bring sacrifices. The priest would come in often during designated times of the year and would sacrifice on behalf of the people. This is a very bloody place. This is where animals came to die for our sins and our shame and our guilt. And so this is a place when we're in prayer, we just remember the finished work of Jesus. God, we thank you that you save us. Thank you that through your blood we're saved, we're healed, and we're free. And it wouldn't be possible without you. Again, I want to encourage you to go back and watch all of these services or listen to our podcast. The third one is the laver. As we go through the outline, we start with gratitude. We go into thankfulness for what he's done at the cross and reminding ourselves of what he's done for us on our behalf. The laver is a little different. The laver has this birdbath look with mirrors on the inside that the priest, after they were done at the sacrifice at the brazen altar, they would come before they would go any further and wash their hands and wash their feet. It's a place of cleansing. It's a place of reflection, looking at themselves. It's a place what we would call repentance. It's a place where we come before God and we ask God to forgive us, to wash us, to cleanse us, and to make us new. Our next piece in the tabernacle prayer is the table of Showbread. This is a place where they bought bread that could represent the word of 
God. This is a time when we remind ourselves of the promises of God. The Bible says his word will not return unto us void. Many times people can open their Bible, pray at this time, maybe journal, whatever it is. Just take some time to meditate and to pray about and to think through the word or to read the word of God. The last one we're going to cover today before Pastor Tommy comes is the lampstand. And as you can see, the lampstand has seven different lights. It's a really powerful thing. It represents the Holy Spirit in our lives, the light of God. So every day I take a moment when I get to this part of the outline, this part of the pattern, I will take a moment and I'll pray that the Holy Spirit work in me through the fruits of the Spirit. And I pray the Holy Spirit works through me through the gifts of the Spirit. So in the next few moments, you're going to hear Pastor Tommy. He's going to come up and do the two last pieces of furniture in the tabernacle prayer. I hope that this has encouraged you as much as it has encouraged me. So here's what I want you to do. Prepare your heart. Get your mind ready. Put your hands together. And please welcome Pastor Tommy Haver. Come on, Vibrant Church. Have you enjoyed this series so far? I have enjoyed this. It's challenged who I am. It's challenged my prayer life. And I'm so thankful for Pastor Ethan's leadership in walking us through this pattern of prayer. Uh, before I go on, I want to just say how thankful that I am to Pastor Ethan for giving me the privilege and honor to stand in in his absence and finish this series. Uh, today, I know that they're having a great time in Israel. And I, I don't know if you know this, but we are blessed at Vibrant Church with the leadership of Pastor Ethan and Miss Lena Boggs. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree with that? I'm so thankful for them over the last few months of us being on staff and kind of getting to know them. It's so evident their heart for not only God, but for this church, uh, for you. And I, I, you know, we have a lot of conversations. We, we are constantly as a pastoral staff together talking about different things and it's very difficult to have a conversation with Pastor Ethan that does not come at some point to this church because his heart beats for this place and I'm thankful for that. We could, there's a lot of leaders who would not give their time and their effort the way that Pastor Ethan does and I'm grateful to him and his family. If you just love them one more time, would you just put your hands together just let them know. So to continue in this series, uh, I know that we've talked about a lot of things, and today we will touch on the last two things of the pattern of prayer. And I, I want to challenge you to not just make this something that we've done in January. Don't just make this something. If you've adopted this as part of your prayer life, don't just let this die at the end of January. I know there's New Year's resolutions. People say, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to continue this. And very few people finish them. Statistics say that by the end of January, this week that we're going into, 80% of New Year's resolutions have failed. And I get it. I get it. It's difficult. So I started a little early. I didn't want just like a, quote, New Year's resolution. I started back uh, in December, and I got a gym membership. Uh, I don't recommend it. But I got a gym membership, and it's been about 11, 12 weeks now, maybe 13 weeks. And in this 11, 12, 13 weeks, I have not lost a pound. And it is frustrating. It is frustrating because you want results. And I've, look, I've had people encourage me. They're like, hey, don't listen. Don't worry about it. Muscle turns to fat. They're like, you're doing great. But what they don't know is I have the gym membership, but I haven't been yet. So while I appreciate the encouragement, I, I guess I got to do a little more than just have the membership because, Pastor Tyson, it's not working. Your gym membership's working better than mine. I just want to be clear. So in this series, we've talked about several things. I want to just kind of bring some things back to your memory, things that maybe we've passed through that you've heard before. But in this series, we've been challenged over and over by the scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, that tells us to never stop praying, to always be in a place of prayer, to have a heart that is prayerful, 
that is a communion with God every day, that conversation that we have with God. And we're reminded that while sometimes prayer is the only thing we can do, it is what? Always the best thing that we can do. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. In this second to last part that we go into the tabernacle, of, that we're in the tabernacle of prayer and the pattern of prayer, it is the incense altar. A lot of people call it the altar of incense. Some call it the golden altar. It was a piece of furniture that was constructed about one and a half feet wide, one and a half feet long, and about three feet high. And it was covered completely in gold. And the priest, whenever he would get to this place, he would take, if you remember, the brazen altar, he would take coals from that altar, and he would place them on the altar of incense. And after he did that, he would take a combination of spices that were particularly designed. God orchestrated that. And he would drop those on the coals. And it would produce an incense that would burn before God. It would be burned every morning and it would be burned every evening. It was something to represent a continuation in the tabernacle. It was to constantly be going. The incense was to constantly be burning. There are even some that have studied this that said that a cloud would form from the incense and it would fill the holy place. So the place where the menorah was or the, the lampstand and the place where the table of showbread was. The altar of incense was in this part and it would fill that place. And it would give a reminder of what this could mean. In this prayer at the altar of incense, our focus and our priority should be worship. That should be our focus. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15 says, Through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Worship is a key element of our prayer time. Psalms chapter 141 and verse 2 says, Accept my prayer as incense offered to you, and my upraised hands as an evening offering. Now this morning we came in here and we came with a heart of expectation and we came with a desire to worship. And as Pastor Tyson and the team led, you could sense the presence of God in this place. As we're beginning to worship and we're beginning to uplift the name of Jesus and we're beginning to call on him and remind him, that song said, you are worthy of it all. You know, a lot of times we seek self-gratification. We seek things that make us feel some kind of way. Some kind of just, I, I don't really, if it's some kind of superficial thing of I, I just want this recognition or maybe it's at work or maybe it's in our family, maybe some kind of success, we want that recognition but worship has nothing to do with us and everything to do with God. The Bible talks about this as a sweet-smelling savor. Now, yesterday, Haley and I were uh, gone for a little while from the house, and my mom, who is here with us today, while we were gone, she had our kids, and she decided to make a big pot of Chicken and sausage gumbo. <laughs> Some of you haven't worshipped till right then. <laughs> she told us she was making it. She sent us a picture and said, hey, here's what's, here's what's for you whenever you get to the house. Me and Haley were so excited, man, we, we got home. And when I opened the door, it was just like, Lord, have mercy. I don't know if you've noticed this. There's a pattern with our pastors. We love food. Look, I don't do a lot of things well, but I can eat. And you know what's crazy about that smell is when I, when I could smell, actually, my clothes kind of smell like it today. I have apologized to like 10 people. 
when I walked in and I could smell that, the first thing you want to do is what? You want to go to that pot of gumbo. You want to open that lid and you just want to look at the goodness of God. And I can tell you this, that usually if Haley and I have been gone, whenever we get home, we'll kind of take our time, we'll see the kids, we'll change into some comfortable clothes. No. We were hustling. Let's get ready. We've got to eat this gumbo. Before I knew it, we were sitting on the couch and it was good. You can think about things as maybe you've grown up or maybe even this week somebody cooked something and you thought, that smells so good. Whenever something smells good, you find yourself doing what? Going closer to it and not away from it. Our worship creates an atmosphere that when we worship, God desires to be where we are. Because in that moment, God sees the fact that you're not worried about you. You're not worried about your situation. You're not worried about your... You're just saying, God, this is who you are in my life. Don't you think that would draw the ear of God? That God would want to be close to a people that wants to be close to Him? That's something to think about. This prayer of worship is solely focused on the nature of of God. When we entered into the tabernacle gate, we entered in with thanksgiving, if you remember. God, I thank you for my job. I thank you for my family. I thank you for all of these things. Maybe it's, God, I, I thank you that, that the car made it this week. Or I'm just, th whatever it may be, we enter with that thanksgiving of what God has done for us. But at the altar of incense, we thank God for who he is to us. You say, well, what do you mean by that? When I get to this place, when I get to the place of the altar of incense, I think about what it means to worship. We, months ago, Pastor Ethan did a series on worshiping in spirit and in truth. We worship with a heart that is pure, knowing that, God, you are all things to me. When I'm in this place, I just begin to just tell God who he's been for me. God, I thank you. That before I even knew you, you knew me. I thank you that before I even realized there was a problem, you were already there with the solution. God, I thank you that in times when I was sick, you were my healer. I thank you in times when the enemy had me entangled with the, the lies that he brings, that you brought deliverance to me in my life. I thank you, God, because you are able when I am not. You are everything when I am nothing. You are big when I am small. You are every part of who I am, and I can do nothing without you. I tell God things like, God, I remember. Some of you will remember this story. Ansley, our little girl, she's two, had a birth defect in her aorta. We had no idea. And God orchestrated the craziest series of events for us to find out that issue even existed. We would have never even known. As a matter of fact, after everything was over and, and all we just had a peace about everything, the surgery was complete, Everything was good. The doctor told us one of two things would have happened with her condition. One is she would have eaten something at some point and it would have become lodged and she would have never been able to dislodge it and she would have died. Or that when she became a teenager and the need for the blood supply expanded, that she would lay down and go to sleep one night and would suffocate and would never wake up. See, that's something we didn't know. We pray for our children and we ask God to protect our children, but we didn't see what was going on inside. But see, I didn't make that body. I didn't create that body. God created that body and he breathed life into it and he knew the ins and the outs and the problems that were there. And because God is who he is, Ansley is okay today. You see, I want to worship a God that knows more about me than I know about me. I want to worship a God that I can't create. He is worthy of it all. There are a few things that have to happen in order for this worship to take place. The first is sacrifice. If you go back to the brazen altar, that sacrifice that was made produced the coals that would create an opportunity to burn the incense for worship. 
I want you to know that worship is not easy. Worship is not something that just comes easy. There are people all over this room today that have come from different situations, different problems, different circumstances. And sometimes it's difficult to walk in the door and be ready to worship. Sometimes we come in and say, why am I even here? Why am I even here? But isn't it something how when we sacrifice that mindset to God and we say, you know, I'm here, I might as well worship. I'm here, I might as well. God, I don't even know where you are in this, but I'm thankful that you're there. I'm thankful that you are available. I'm thankful that you hear me. I'm thankful, God, that you are who you are. And isn't it something how when we do that, when we worship from that place of sacrifice, when we lift our hands, it's a place of surrender. When we get to that place, isn't it something how we begin to sense God moving right then? Secondly, there has to be preparation. The incense had to be prepared before it was offered. There was a process and a number of spices that had to be cut and ground and put together in order for this to burn. This preparation gives an idea of our heart. That our heart should be prepared. You ever tried to worship when you're mad at somebody? Some of you's like, I tried to worship. I was mad at my wife on the way here this morning. It's hard to worship when we're not prepared. It's hard to worship when we don't have a heart that is ready to see God in our life. Look, you don't cook something without preparing it. Here I go talking about food again. There is preparation in everything that we do. Why in the world would we come to God in our worship without having a heart that is prepared for it? And thirdly, in order for worship to happen, we have to surrender. There's a verse in the Bible that talks about us decreasing so that he can increase. That we become small in our eyes so that he can be big. You know, it's easy sometimes in our situation to think about how big that it really is. When you're in the middle of something, it seems so much larger than it is. But God is above that. God is beyond that. God is more than that. When we surrender to God, we surrender all that we are to make sure that He knows He is it for us. Isn't it easy to look at life and see different things and we think that's our source? Maybe it's our job. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's something like that. We say, this is our source. But our source is nothing but God. When you surrender that job or you surrender that relationship and you say, God, I can't fix it. I don't know how to change it. I don't know what to do. I just give it to you because I'm giving you my life. I surrender every part of who I am. Just take it, mold me, use me, do whatever you need to do. I surrender my life to you. Worship must be our priority. I am thankful to be a part of a church that prioritizes worship. I'm thankful to be a part of a church that we can come in and worship together. But I want to challenge you even to think about it from a broader spectrum that this platform is not the only place where we should encounter worship. This should not be the only place where we come in and we lift our hands and we tell God who he is. No, it should be in our everyday life. It should be in every part of who we are. Maybe you're on a serve team. Maybe you worship God in your serving. Maybe you worship God with your giving. I'll just be honest with you. After some weeks that are so difficult, sometimes we're worshiping God just walking through the door. Sometimes just making it here is a point of worship. We can look at circumstances and situations and it can kill us. Or we can say, God, 
You've got it. And we can live through it. Before entering into this next piece of furniture, before leaving the altar of incense, that place of worship, the next step would be the holiest place, the holy of holies. But before you go there, there is this veil. And it goes from the top of the tabernacle to the bottom, and it is the width of the tabernacle. Some say it was around four to six inches in width. And the sole purpose of the veil was to make sure that the place where God's presence was, was preserved. The Bible even says that if someone tried to enter through the veil unworthy, that they would be killed. I don't know about you, but there have been some times where I wouldn't have wanted to walk through that veil. Their life would have been taken. But the priest, whenever he's ready and he's prepared, he enters through the veil and he goes into the final piece called the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was about three feet wide and about, nine in, or about three feet nine inches long and about two foot three inches wide and about two foot three inches tall. It was made of acacia wood and it was covered in gold and the inside was covered in gold. And on top of that was what was called the mercy seat. The dimensions of that were the same as the actual ark. And on top of that, there were these, you can see, some would call them cherubims, angels. These would be pure gold. The Bible doesn't tell the size of them. It doesn't tell the weight of them. But there would be these four rings that would be around it and these poles. These poles would be so that the Levites, the priests, could carry that whenever the tabernacle was taken down and moved to the next place. When the tabernacle was set up, this was the holiest place, the place where God's presence was. Whenever he entered into the Holy of Holies, he would enter in on behalf of the children of Israel. When he would get to this place, after he had completed that time of worship, that time of prayer, he would go to God and he would bring the needs of God, of the people to God. This is a place of intercession. A place where, as Pastor Larry Stockstill says, you've heard Pastor Ethan reference him many times, this is the place where we do business with God. The holy place. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 1 and 2 says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. To ask God to help them. To intercede on their behalf. And to give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. So that, when we, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. When we get to this place, this is the place where we enter in on behalf of those that we are impacted by or those that we have an impact on. There are four steps in this process that you can use. You don't have to use it this way. It can be very simple. It can be very, very brief. As Pastor Ethan said a couple weeks ago, if you're in a crisis, don't worry about all the steps. Just say Jesus. But there are four ways that can kind of help this part of how we should pray. And the first is to pray for authorities. Now this is difficult for some of us to do. Because some people don't like authority. Some people don't like it. When we're praying for these authorities, we should pray for spiritual authorities. This is where I pray for people who are spiritual leaders in my life. This is where I go to God on their behalf and ask God to help them and strengthen them and encourage them. I ask God to continue to move in their life and in their ministry that they would be strengthened and that God's hand would remain upon them. Secondly, we pray for civil authorities. We pray for our president. We pray for our vice president, the leaders of Congress, the Senate. You say, well, I don't, I don't agree with them. It doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter if we agree with them or not. We're not charged to to pray for them based on our agreement with them. We're charged to pray for them because the Scripture says to pray for them. To pray for our governor, our lieutenant governor, our local leadership, our mayor. Pray for those that are in authority. And I don't pray, God, let them think like I think. I say, God, let them find your wisdom and your counsel. Let them turn to you in their decisions. Let them turn to you and who they are. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. I just pray that somebody would have an ear for God that would be able to hear what God is saying, that we would be able to follow as a nation, as a city, the things that honor God. We pray for family authorities and for workplace authorities. You say, well, I don't like my boss. Well, if you're the business owner, that's tough. We should pray for our workplace authorities, those that are over us. Secondly, we should pray for our families. Every morning when I'm praying, I I call Haley's name out. I pray for her and I pray for our marriage. I pray for our relationship. But I pray that God would encourage her. That God would remind her daily who she is to me. That God would let her see who she is to him. That God would strengthen her. And that the hand of the enemy would not come upon her life. I pray for our children. One of the most terrifying things in the world to me is raising my kids in a way that when they're older that they still want to love this. And still want to be a part of this. God, don't let my kids grow up bitter. Don't let them grow up hating the church. Don't let them grow up hating you. God, even at a young age, I pray for whoever you have for them that they would be a godly person, that they would love them. I pray for whoever my daughter's husband's going to be and whoever my son's wife is going to be, that they would be an encouragement and a strength. I pray for them to always follow after God. And then I pray for my parents. And I pray for my extended family. Then I pray for the church. Not just the church as a whole, but vibrant church. This is something that the pastors, we believe in praying for us for this church. We pray for the mission and vision of vibrant church. We pray for the leaders of vibrant church. You see, I pray for Pastor Ethan in this part, but I also pray for Pastor Tyson and Pastor Josiah And Pastor Aaron, I pray for them and I pray for their families. Why? Because we, look, we are so subject to authority, but we are accountable to one another. To know that we're praying for one another and encouraging one another. I I don't say this to bring any kind of, I was so encouraged this morning. I got a text at 2.30 in the morning from Pastor Aaron. 2.30 in the morning. So did Pastor Tyson. And he sent a text that said, I was at the Western Wall today and I just want you to know I was praying for you and your family. Praying for favor upon your life that you would continue to follow after the thing. See, that's the kind of people that I need in my life. People that will pray for you and encourage you and uplift you. I pray for the ministries of Vibrant Church, Vibrant Cares, our outreach department, Belong. I pray for our small groups, the the, part of missions that we give. I pray for all of the folks that serve in campus life. And then we pray for you, the people who come here and worship. We pray for your families. We pray that God would continue to strengthen you. And then once all of that is prayed, only at that point should you say, okay, now I'll pray for me. We've prayed for everyone else and everything else. We entered in a, from a place of worship. We brought our needs to God. We brought those things to God. We said, God, all of that's prayed for. Now you can go to God and say, now I'm going to pray for me. And do you know what you will find, or I do in most cases, when you get to this point, there's really not much to say. There's really not much to say at this point when you've made it through the pattern of prayer. 
Last week we had some of those cards, I think maybe this week as well, that kind of displays the pattern to pray. If you don't have one, I encourage you to get one. And if there's not any left, somebody's probably panicking right now. But I encourage you to get one of those to follow this pattern. Over the last month, these are just some of the cards that have been brought and placed here on the altar. This is just some. I could, this is a small amount. And it's not just a card, but there are cards with lists. Hundreds and thousands of requests being brought to God. We've already heard reports of things that people have written on these cards that God has already begun to change. Healings, deliverance, marriages. I want you to know that God wants us to bring our problems to Him. He says in His Word to cast your cares on me for I care for you. There's nothing too big for God. There's nothing too small for God. Every part of who we are, God wants us to give to Him and say, I'm bringing this to you. I want to share this story. And I don't know who it's for, but I believe it's, it may be for many people in here today. But there are very few people that know this story about my life. And I want you to leave encouraged today by this. When I was six years old, let me just tell you, I grew up in church. I've been in church since I was negative nine months old. I have, this is all I know. When I was six years old, I became very sick. Couldn't really figure out the rhyme or reason to it. Didn't know what the sickness was about. Came very ill. My body temperature dropped to the low 90s, 93 degrees. Somewhere around there. Mom and dad taking me to the hospital. They start running all of these tests. They're just trying to find an answer. Trying to find what is going on in my body. And after many tests, after a couple of days, the doctor comes in and he looks at my parents and he says, I have some news that I don't like to share it's news that no parent would want to hear so we believe that Tommy has a form of leukemia I was little I remember being sick but I don't remember the seriousness of it but when mom tells this story I became so sick at a certain point they couldn't figure out what was what was helping me in time that I coded on the table. Talk about just one thing after the other. They send me for more tests, leukemia. Send me for more tests, leukemia. Send me for more tests, leukemia. Four doctors, four diagnoses, all the same. Tommy has leukemia. Earth shattering. They send us home for the weekend, regulated my body temperature, tried to give some medications. Send us home for the weekend. Mom and dad had church. Now I'm going to tell you how I grew up. Our house, hear me now, some of y'all that maybe didn't grow up in church, you're going to think, what kind of thing is this? Our house, or what we called the parsonage, was connected to the church. Imagine if Pastor Ethan lived right out there. You literally could walk on the stage, out a door, down a little hallway and to the left and walk into our living room. And that's where I was that morning. Wrapped up in a Batman sleeping bag. 
And there was a lady in our church that was sitting with me that day. And her name was Beatrice. We all called her Grandma B. Grandma B had seen some things in her life. She knew the power of God. And while we were sitting there, I told you our house was connected to the church. We could hear mom and the team singing in there. They're worshiping and they're calling out to God, just telling God who he is. We didn't didn't have Pastor Tyson. They're singing. Mom's a gifted piano player, gifted singer. They're worshiping and I hear Grandma B pray in the chair next to me. And as she's praying, she gets up. And I want to just be very clear to you. Even at her age, she was only about four foot nothing. She reached down and picked up this six-year-old little boy wrapped in this Batman sleeping bag. And she began to make that little trip out the door. Down the hall, up the stairs. And brought me into the auditorium. She laid me on that altar. And she buried her face in my chest. And she cried out to God on my behalf. You hear what I'm saying? She cried out to God on my behalf. And she said that same scripture that I pray with every single person who comes up here for for prayer that's dealing with sickness from Isaiah 53 and 5 this says he was wounded for our transgressions bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed and she began to declare that healing over my life over every part of who I was we couldn't see the leukemia we just knew it was there because of tests and she just began to tell God you are bigger than this you are stronger than this you are more powerful than this you are able to heal him you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you add than we ask or think she knew how to call on Jesus She prayed for me, and I'll just tell you, I didn't feel anything. I was mad that I was in the blanket on the altar. Don't bring me in here. Letting people know I like Batman and Robin. Come on, Grandma B. Give me a break. She carried me back and laid me back in there. We went back for our next round of tests. Doctor comes out and he says, we're going to send Tommy for some more tests. We're seeing some irregularities. We need to test him again. They test, they test, they test, they test. And they come back and they say, listen. We don't understand it. Here's the results. He has leukemia. Here's the results. We can't find it anywhere in his body. We cannot find it anywhere. And you say, why do you tell me that? I tell you that because it matters when you bring your needs to God. It matters when you trust God with your needs. It matters when you look to God and say, I don't have a solution for this. I don't have an answer for this. I don't have a way, but I serve the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. That is who he is for me, and that is who he is for you. I just wish for a moment that you would tell God your needs and let him hear you today. God is able. He is able. You can just remain standing. The team is fixing to come and lead us in worship. But not to just overquote Pastor Ethan this morning, but if it matters to you, it matters to God. If it matters to you, It matters to God. Well, my situation didn't turn out like that. But you're still here. My situation is still a wreck. But you're still here. 
And I can tell you this, even on the days when you don't feel like it, even on the days when you feel like you can't muster up enough courage to worship or muster up enough courage to bring your needs to Him, I want to remind you today that regardless of how we feel, He is unchanging. He will never change. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want you just to bow your head and close your eyes where you are. There are needs all over this place. Maybe you're watching online, wherever you may be watching from. You may be dealing with something that seems like there is no answer to. But God is your source. He just wants you to bring the need to Him. See, God is all-knowing. But He wants to know that you're willing to bring it to Him. Today, whatever your need is, whether you feel like putting your hand over your heart or you feel like lifting your hand to just say, I've got a need. I want you to take these next few moments while they're singing. And I want you to say, God, whatever whatever it is for you, it may be a marriage, it may be finances, it may be something that's going on in your home. It could be sickness. You could have recently been dealing with death. This is the moment where we can give it to God. And this is how I want us to do it. As they begin to sing, I want us to worship and tell Him He's worthy of it all and then give God our need. Worship and give God our need. Pastor Tyson, would you sing for just a moment? This is a moment where God can be real in your life if you let Him. Would you just sing it? Come on, let's worship together. He's worthy of it all. And for from you are all things. And to you. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. You deserve the glory. That altar of incense, we're giving it to God. A sweet savor. that's in this room, every person that's watching online. 
I pray for their needs today. God, you see their, their struggles. You see their, their situations that they're dealing with, whether it's their marriage. God, or something, it could be strife in their home. It could be relationships that need to be restored. It could be friendships that are broken. It could be their life that they feel is in shambles. I just lift them up to you right now. And I ask you, God, to be the strength of their life. Lord, to be the healer to their sickness, to be the deliverer from their brokenness. God, I just pray that you would cover them, that you would protect them, that you would keep them safe. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today and you say, I don't have that relationship. I don't have that relationship with Jesus. Did you know that today can be your day? One more time with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in here today and you say, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to give my life to Him so that I can follow Him. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Thank you. I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. Thank you. I want us to pray this prayer together. And I'll tell you this. The words doesn't save you. But the belief in what you say is what changes things through the power of the cross. Let's all pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for dying on the cross for saving me. Today I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Today I give it all to you. In Jesus' name, I am saved. Come on church, can we put our hands together? The Bible says that heaven rejoices over one. There were hands up all over. I believe we at Vibrant Church could just join in with heaven today.